Welcome to the Neon Noise Podcast, your home for learning ways to attract more traffic to your website, generate more leads, convert more leads into customers, and build stronger relationships with your customers. And now, your hosts, Justin Johnson and Ken Franzen. Hey, 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 Neon Noise Nation. Welcome to the Neon Noise Podcast, where we decode marketing and sales topics to help you grow your business. I am Justin, and with me, I have my co-host, Ken. Ken, what's going on in Ohio today? All is well in Ohio today. How about yourself? All is well. Everything is great down in Florida. Um, doing great. So I'm super excited to talk to our featured guest today. He has a no-nonsense approach to sales and marketing. Ryan Stuman is the CEO and founder of Hardcore Closer and Break Free Academy. He is a four-time best-selling author, motivational speaker, sales coach, and all-around entrepreneur. Ryan is best known for consulting with alpha personality business owners on rapidly growing their sales through the use of strong marketing and advertising. With his no BS take action approach, Ryan has been able to help high income and high net worth performers make adjustments in their businesses that unleash windfall profits. His programs have propelled numerous clients from five and six figure incomes to seven figure year earners and has a new group he's working on in his top tier program called The Tribe. Sounds like we need to know a little bit more information about that. Um, doesn't matter if you're selling cars, homes, financial services, or consulting. Ryan's Sales Mastery can help generate higher quality leads, increase your closing ratios, and show you how to charge premium fees for the items you sell. Ryan, welcome to Neon Noise. Man, you want to hear something hilarious? Fire away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even know... I don't even know who in the hell wrote that, right? Like, I go on a podcast from time to time, and I listen to people read it, and I'm like, who the fuck wrote that, man? Where did that even come from? I didn't write that shit, you know? And so uh, it awesome. sounds cool, and sometimes I'm like, did I even really do that? Are they sure did, about that? Did I do that shit or not? <laughs> well, hey, um, it sounded good and everything. Uh, fill in the blanks on anything that, legit. Uh, that we it's might the internet. miss, it's gotta right? Be true, right? <laughs> it's got to be true, man. Give us a little bit of background about yourself, buddy. Well, so I am a uh, prolific mistake maker and action taker. I, uh, you know, I, I came up just like a lot of entrepreneurs and small business people. I didn't really feel like I, I fit in. I was uh, adopted by my stepdad, which changed my last name when I was like seven years old. And I had to go back to school and explain to all the kids. And I was like, same dude, different name. Don't judge me. Right. Like it was a, <laughs> a weird thing in a small town. And and, uh, you know, school after that, but it really wasn't the same. And so I, I dropped out of school in the eighth grade. Now, I'm sorry, I dropped out of school in the ninth grade. The last grade that I actually finished was the, the eighth grade. And I went into work as a job in sales. I was, uh, I used to mow yards for this car wash for my stepdad when I was like eight years old. And then by the time I was 10, they let me vacuum cars. And, and I noticed that the dude that worked in sales, uh, that was like the ticket writer, he didn't ever have yeah. to vacuum cars or mow yards. And I'm like, I want well, that job. <laughs> and so uh, by the time I was 13, I started, you know, working at the car wash doing the sales side of things. And by the time I was 16, I just left school and went to work for uh, the car wash full time and was selling car washes. And like most kids that are adopted, drop out of school and coincidentally working at a car wash, uh, I end up getting on drugs and, uh, you know, 
I actually, the first time I ever actually got into drugs and was selling them was the first, it was like, there weren't any multi-level marketers in my family. So like the first opportunity I ever got was like, Hey man, you want to make some money? I'm like, yes, this car wash sucks. What do you have? And they're like drugs. I'm like, I, I read in school that that was really bad, but you know what? School's full of shit. That's why I left in the ninth grade. Anyway, let's see what's going on here. And so it was like that kind of scenario. I'd never been offered any kind of money making schemery before. And I got involved with the wrong deals, a young, impressionable guy for, right. I, I, uh, unsuccessfully sold drugs to the point where the uh, police arrested me and ended up going uh, and spending about 18 months of my life, almost two years uh, in prison. And at like from age 19 to 21, uh, got out, went back to work at the car wash because that's what losers do. And <laughs> I went back to work at the car wash. And one of the ladies noticed that like I was, I'm, I'm a hard worker and I am a good salesperson. I mean, at the car wash, I might talk somebody out of a $5 car wash and into a $10 car wash 500 times on a Saturday, maybe a thousand times on a, on a really busy Saturday. And so, right. I mean, I got a lot of experience upselling people at this point. And this lady noticed she offered me a job as a, a loan officer. I'm like, lady, I ain't even got a credit card, but what I do have is a felony. So we need to like, just get that <laughs> off the table up front. Right. Are we and she's like, Oh, it's cool. Half the people in our company have felonies. I'm like, damn it. I knew bankers were crooks, you know? <laughs> And, uh, and so I did, I, I went on like within three weeks, I made like 6,700 bucks. And then a month after that, I made another 7,500 bucks. That's like a year's work in car wash terms, you know? Right. And, right, right. and I had done this in, in two months and I went on to become like a branch manager and top producer to, to the point where I got this nice house and all these nice, you know, sports cars and trucks and the damn police thought I was selling drugs again. So I don't live in that town anymore. I learned my lesson yeah. this time, but uh, small town. They, again, they, they arrested me. They kicked in my door, thought I was selling drugs. There wasn't even sandwich bags in there. Cause I'm not like doing anything wrong at this point. <laughs> I haven't since I got out of prison, right? Like I'm living a straight life. I'm, you know, was working at a car wash, living a straight life. Now I'm doing mortgages, living a straight life, but they do find a gun and long story short guns in Texas versus the federal government. It's weird. It's kind of like in Colorado. If you get caught with a bag of weed by the local cops, they're like, Hey man, can I have one for later? But if you get caught with a bag of weed with a DEA agent, they're like, you're coming with me, criminal. You know what I mean? Because it's still federally illegal. Well, there's certain guns, thanks to President Bush, there's like certain guns that are legal in Texas, but like illegal federally. And so there, and there's rules that go along with them. So if you're a felon in Texas, you can have a gun when your sentence is up. Uh, but the ATF, it says they have a law that they passed that supersedes that that says, no, you can't, well, they don't give you that memo when you get out of prison. So I didn't know I couldn't have these guns. And then when they came and kicked the door into my house, they obviously didn't find any drugs. So though they kind of made a spectacle of themselves. They had to find something. It's like when a cop hits out your blinker or something in the movie and they arrested me for felon in possession of firearm, I beat the case. And then the ATF picked me up. And you don't fight the feds unless you're John Gotti. And we all know what happened to that poor bastard. And so yeah. uh, <laughs> I had to sign for another 15 months in, uh, in federal prison. And I got out in 2008 and wow. I'm almost done with my story. Got out in 2008, talked the biggest bank in, in Texas, the biggest privately owned mortgage bank in Texas to uh, give me a job. I became top producer there in 2010. Obama passed a law called the Dodd-Frank Act. And once again, the federal government would say, while your Texas license is valid, we are not going to give you a federal license. Like Bush got me with the guns and then Obama got me with the damn <laughs> mortgage license. And that's when I was like forced into basically learning this whole internet marketing and, and all this stuff. Because I was one of the top mortgage brokers in the nation in 
2009 was like the worst year to be in that business. And I did 183 loans for people. So I was like cranking them out. I mean, it was a, it was a good year for me. Plus I was hungry from being in, in prison and everything else and trying to make up for lost time and divorce that happened while I was in there. But, you know, over the course of, since I left in 2010, I've been teaching other people how my sales skills. And then I've gone on to, you know, build a reputation as one of the best in the industry. And now I'm a, like you said, five-time author. I write for Forbes and entrepreneur, and sometimes they're even nice enough to write about me in Forbes and entrepreneur. It's pretty cool stuff, you know? Awesome story. Well, that's definitely, uh, definitely a hell of a lot different than our intro. Uh, I love it. <laughs> no, thanks for that, uh, that, that background and filling us in, uh, that the adversity you faced is, is something that I think that, uh, would send even the most ambitious of people crying home to their mommies. And, uh, it, it leads me to want to talk a little bit about your latest book. Uh, book's titled fuck your excuses the misfits guide to avoiding upper limits so how does this book you wrote it for a reason tell us a little bit about it uh what's it about who's it for well so two years ago i had this like this this stuff that i had to get off my chest i guess that's kind of like as an artist or content creator or whatever we call ourselves right podcasters we have different names, but basically we're artists, right? And like, cause what we do is an art, the way that you make podcasts is an art and everything else. And I had this stuff that I just couldn't get off my mind. So I posted on Facebook. I was like, you know, I've been through a lot of hell in my life and I'd like to share with people how I've been able to push through it uh, over the years. If you'd be interested, maybe I charge 99 bucks for it and I'll just put a link to a PayPal thing, right? Well, I had like 400 people sign up for this thing. So I'm like, shit, now I got to do it. You know, and, and <laughs> Not a bad thing. <laughs> no, it's coming through. <laughs> and so for six weeks, once a week on Sunday, we did a two hour uh, where they just listened to me tell these stories and what I learned from these experiences that I've been through. And by the time I got, you know, the six weeks done, it like there were so many people that said that it changed their life. And I didn't really want to sell the program because I'm not really like a, a Tony Robbins or a self-help type of person. And that's not really the the brand that I'm trying to project and stuff like that. So it didn't really fit with what we were doing. It was just like a one-off thing, but I thought, well, if I turn it into a book, then it's, it, it just makes it a little different. So we changed the formatting and stuff like that, but basically translated that class into this book. And what it is, is it's a stories about, you know, there's a reason I believe, and we can go into it or not, but there's reasons I believe that I had to go through all these experiences uh, so that I could share them with the people that, that like the folks that are going to read this book and, and be able to teach them the mindset that it took, the feelings and emotions that I had to overcome and what it was that kept me going, even though I had every reason in the world to just go right back to the car wash when everything fell through and to, to share with people those things. And, you know, come to find out, fellas, there's a lot of folks out there that, you know, I say the misfits guide to upper limits. And I don't mean misfits as like a derogatory, but really they just they don't fit in. There's so many people carrying around, let's use the word secrets uh, with them, especially in the sales world. Cause this would be real. The people that sell stuff and most entrepreneurs and small business owners too, right? We started our own thing because we didn't fit in with, with some corporate structure that was already in place somewhere else. So, and what happens oftentimes is since we're misfits, we come from humble beginnings 
And we have a ton of upper limits. You know, when we get money, we do stupid shit with it, like go do drugs or blow it on, you know, the sales community is notorious for hookers and blow, right? And doing bottle service. And, you know, instead of <laughs> flying first class, somebody will make a big ass check and they'll go rent a private plane and stuff like that. The internet marketing world is as guilty as the sales world is. And, you know, like, the, and, and it's not because they want that experience. It's because a lot of times their mind's telling them they're uncomfortable with the amount of money that they have. And that they've got to get rid of it because we come through rough backgrounds. So it addresses a lot of the the things that come up that that the planet puts against us to try to keep us from getting ahead because we're not falling into the same system uh, as the people that go to go to high school, then go to college, and then get a nine to five and make forty grand a year, and then work ten years before they make eighty grand a year, and then work another ten years so that they can retire on twenty four thousand a year. You know, absolutely. So that's interesting to say that. Is there is there a bit of a fear of complacency that that if uh, you don't spend that money that you won't be hungry to make more well you know here's the thing about let's just say i'll just use salespeople for example because i can for sure speak uh from their point of view you know when you work in a commission only thing sale that sales people are hunters by nature so like if you were to devolve us back to the caveman days the guys that were uh, there was like basket weavers, right? Like those dudes. And they, I guess what in school, and you know, I'm not a really school person, obviously, but I think they were like <laughs> hunters and gatherers, right? So it was like yep. people that gathered berries and sticks and did like bitch work. And then there was like the hunters that went out and killed shit. And so wow. salespeople are obviously the, the hunters and we've evolved across all this time. And what happens when you hunt something is you go out the thrill of the chase, the blood on your hands, your body's hungry. You're hangry enough to stick something with a rod or kill it with a rock. You bring it back and you eat it. So you're celebrating your kill. But what happens as a salesperson is we go and we work and we make a bunch of sales and we get all these victories, but there's really no result to drag back with us. So they buy nice watches and obscene, insanely priced clothes and obscene jewelry and, you know, cars that they don't need and stuff like that because they're blowing that money to get that fixed because there's no, I know it sounds crazy, but there's no dead animal that the caveman's dragging back. And so these hunters, they go out there and they all that happens is some number shift in your bank account, right? You get a piece of paper and it's like number shifted in your bank account and then number shift in your bank account. And you're like, I worked all week for, for numbers to shift. Okay. I've got to do something as to have proof that I did this, right? right. That I work. And it's this like lizard brain or crocodile brain, depending on, you know, what conspiracy theories you follow. But that's like this deep inside of us that, that makes us do that. And in its upper limits, right? So I know that one of my clients, uh, he and I were talking, he's like, every time I get close to having $100,000 in my bank account, I go blow five or $10,000 on something stupid. He's like, I just can't vision myself keeping that much money in my bank account because my parents didn't have any money. And it's only been <clears throat> until recently that I have any money and it makes me uncomfortable to even know that I have that much and how much am I going to owe on taxes and everything else. You can get him mine. literally like that's, yeah, that's a lot of problem. That's a problem that a lot of entrepreneurs and stuff have. And it may not be a hundred thousand. For some people it might be ten. For some people it might be ten million. But the same fact is like we face these things and we try to ditch them. And it's it's all upper limits. And this book is how I've pushed through uh these upper limits over the years. Cause I've had to go through that myself. My parents didn't have any money. You know what I mean? Obviously, I just told you my story. Never at once that I was like, yeah, and then my parents showed up with the magical lawyer and bail money. Y'all didn't miss. Y'all, I didn't skip over that part intentionally. It just didn't fucking happen. Right? Right. So, <laughs> and so, you know, like it's a lot of us have these upper limits in the book is how I've been able to push through each of them because I believe I had to go through all the shit that I had to go through 
in order to make it to the other side so that I can reach my hand out and help pull the people that are going through the hell that I've been through, which is a lot, by the way, it with me, right? It's like, hey, yeah. I've gone through it. So it's possible to get to the other side. Right. Fuck your excuses, right? <laughs> sure. Awesome. In your backstory makes it, uh, you know, some of the, the excuses that uh, we hear every, each and every day seem uh, uh, minor. Like nothing. It, 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 you know, somebody, uh, somebody got in front of me on the highway and they slowed me down and I couldn't go eighty <laughs> like I wanted to, and my day's freaking ruined. And uh, so the the excuses is interesting because you know Justin and I we work with uh, a lot of different uh, business owners and. Uh, companies and marketing and sales and, and excuses uh, ha- happened. Ex- people have excuses and their convenience to not doing something or to setting, not achieving the goals. So uh, what, what are you work with a lot of business owners, Ryan, I'm in coaching them. What are some of the common excuses that you hear that are just like, all right, this is bullshit. Stop right here, right now. Let's get beyond this and move fast. Because I think that some of these excuses you recognize others having will, will, be resonate with our audience yeah you know uh i'll give you an example dude sends me a message yesterday and he says he asked me for some help building a a funnel for car car sales right and i said man you know what i don't know i don't just do that stuff for free here's the link to join our program i sent him the link to our program and the program's like 297 dollars a month so it's not like you know super expensive that's like one car deal probably a half a car deal or something like that every month that that would go towards that and he goes oh man i was in it before and i dropped out (laughs) and it didn't work for me and i thought to myself you know we got 500 or so people that are in the program and probably 20 or 30 of them are car people you know most of them are in real estate and mortgages and in small business owners but you know probably 20 or 30 of them are in the car business. And I know that those people are all, you know, because they show their funnels in our Facebook group and stuff like that. And I know that it's working because a, you know, if something's not working, cause you get a bunch of complaints, right. right? And you get a bunch of drop offs. So we've got a 4% attrition rate on our program. And this dude's hitting me up telling me something that's for sure worked for 30 people. And that's just in this program, not counting all the car people we've helped over the years that it's not working for him. And I, I responded back to him. I was like, bro, hold up. You can't just come over here saying, that it doesn't work for you. We got people in big cities, small cities all over the place. And obviously you're not doing the things right, but there's no way on earth that you're not going to do it right and take the action and learn how to do it like the other people are. Cause we have exact templates for this stuff, but then you come and you ask me to do it for you, man. This is the ridiculous shit. And I think a lot of people are like this guy, right? Yeah. Like they, they, they think things are their excuses because they think they're different than everybody else. This guy was just saying, what well, doesn't work for me or does it work in my market which is bullshit we've figured you know a car sale is a car sale it doesn't matter like i could leave dallas right now and go sell cars in new york and a car sale is a car sale it doesn't matter where it's at right you need a vehicle cool i sell them let's do a deal it's pretty damn simple and so but every like the biggest excuse or those self-limiting excuses that i hear it's like oh it didn't work for me it's like no the truth is you didn't work it Right. Because if you'd have followed the video and done exactly like the other 20 or 30 people in the program, you'd have leads coming in and a process to close them and emails following up because we know we created it and we used it ourselves first. And so but these people, they find these like, again, the upper limits, but they find these these self-limiting excuses. And and I see them all the time. And it's always some like specialized excuse. You know, it's we hear this, the the generalized excuses that people say it's like, you know, 
uh, well, this has happened to me in my past. Cause a lot of people's excuses are something that's not even happened currently. You guys ever notice that? Sure. It's like people say, Oh, it's because of a divorce, right? Well, that's already gone through. It's already happened. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> you know, and, and you, that like happened before. And sometimes uh, like, so the biggest example that I can think of is in 2009, 2010, out while the mortgage world was imploding, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was uh, doing really well. And in 2010, as I told you my story, I ended up coaching loan officers on how to do mortgages. That was the first little venture into the online world that I did. And I would hear guys get on there and they would say, well, you know, since the, since the mortgage implosion, man, things just haven't been the same. And I would think to myself, that started when I went to prison in 2007. And here we are in 2010, three years later, and you're still complaining. You're still letting that be your excuse why you're not winning in the present. Meanwhile, me, a felon with no pipeline, got out with nobody, nobody trusting me, nobody knowing where I had been or anything. And I was able to get in this business the worst year ever, make $300,000. That's your self-limiting belief. You're letting something from the past limit yourself from where you're going and you it like you can call it an excuse or or whatever you want but the thing is like a lot of people they feel like something that's happened in their past is keeping them from uh excelling in their future and it's not true because guess what nobody gave a shit about the mortgage implode as soon as it was over once last time you even heard somebody talk about it other than me it's just not a not even a thing anybody cares about anymore and, and like once divorce happens you're like oh yeah you're like the rest of the 80 percent of motherfuckers in america you're no different right like everybody's divorced around here look around you the only people that aren't getting divorced are people from other countries moving here every american's divorced damn we've been waiting on you to join the club thank you but, but they use it as an excuse you know and or you know or i got fired from my last job because my boss didn't like me well i guarantee you some of my bosses didn't like me either, right? And some of them didn't trust me because I was a felon, especially at the bank. Shit, they all got along with me really well because I performed and did my job above and beyond everybody else there. You know, you remove their excuses as well. I'll give you uh, a good example. So in 2014, I, uh, I got divorced and, uh, and from my oldest son's mom. And when we went through divorce it was rough like any other divorce right and i still had to carry on and run the companies that i have and everything else and this was the first time this is my you know i've been divorced before but this is the first time that i had ever really like had any money to give up you know the the time before i got divorced she took all my money while i was in prison it didn't matter i was in prison anyway like whatever this time i'm like out and able to defend myself and it was just really Really awkward. Well, I went to court the first time and I pissed the judge off. I don't know how fucking court works, right? So, you know, and I go in there and they want, I thought it worked like divorce court on TV. And I'm like, Your Honor, this is not out. And it's like, That was not cool. And it was this whole ordeal. And my lawyer's like, Dude, you pissed the judge off. I'm like, I didn't mean to. Anyway. And so all that happens. In, and I realized when I left the court that day, I was like, I need to make change in my life. Obviously, uh, we're getting divorced, so there's changes being made, but I need to take away every excuse from her that she could possibly make to not let me have time with the kid or make my life difficult or whatever the case. And so it didn't happen overnight, but every single objection that most ladies get, like I'm never late on my child support. I pick my kid up more than I'm even legally obligated to because we have 50-50 custody. I pick them up even more than I'm legally obligated to. I, even though I pay her child support, I still pay for everything for the kid and proven at school and everything else. And I'm not looking for a pat on the back, but there's no excuses from her. Like if her girlfriends and her go out and they're like, well, what's your baby daddy like? She's got to be like, 
It's pretty fucking awesome, actually, right? <laughs> because I've removed all of her excuses. There's nothing she could complain about, like not one single negative thing that she can say about me because I've always kept everything uh, 100% behind the scenes. And you know what? We have a great relationship because of it. Her her father, my ex-father-in-law and I, hell, we shoot the shit all the time. And and uh, I he send him referrals for different things that he needs all the time. We're still good friends. He gets along with uh, my current wife. And so, you know, like this whole thing, uh, with with removing our excuses, you can do that from your boss. You can do that from your significant other. You can do that from your kids. If you start showing up, you can remove others' excuses as well. At least their excuses towards you. Sure, that's uh, that's that's pretty pretty awesome. I uh, I'm interested in, in in a little bit because you said that in you know the the dip of it all the because we still hear from some of our home improvement clients about they still bring up the the 2008 not the mortgage crisis but just the entire dip in the market but you you absolutely crushed it you you just went in you showed up every day in in crushed it when everyone else was was failing just in disarray <clears throat> you want to know my secret yeah i'd love to know your secret so just keep this in mind if this ever happens in your industry, whatever the listeners out there are in. But I had this revelation because while I was in prison, I would watch CNBC because I was like Shawshank Redemption in there. I did loans for freaking the guard so I could get money on my commissary <laughs> books and shit like that. Sent them referrals out and had them put money on anyway. So I was got all the convicts watching CNBC and stuff in there. And I noticed like so many people were quitting their mortgage job and I would get letters from my homeboys and they would say xyz person went to work as a land surveyor went to work in the oil and gas industry and i'm like all these people are leaving the industry who's serving their clients like if they're getting out of the industry altogether who's taking care of their real estate agents who's taking care of their clients who's refinancing their people if the rates drop and so every time somebody was leaving the business i would just hit them up it's like hey man what you gonna do with all those referrals that you got and they'd be like, dude, I'm going, I hate the mortgage business. I'm going, it's like, dude, well, just give me a list of clients. I'll take care of them. And dude, I collected list after list after list. And I would blast them with emails and send them messages and leave them voicemails. Like, hey, Fred with Prime Lending gave me your information. He quit because he's a loser. But if you want to work with a winner, here I am. And, and dude, I closed a ton of loans because all these other people lost the relationship and and they were they left the industry so you think about that those of you listening out there when your industry goes in a dip warren buffett gives the best advice obviously but he says be greedy when people are fearful and fearful when people are greedy so people were fearful of staying in there and i thought well shit it's time for me to go all the way in and be greedy and it paid off well nice great strategy now back then and, and this is pretty notorious for uh the time and the industry but cold calling was pretty uh pretty big thing picking up the phone dialing for dollars uh before the internet really changed that uh people out there do you see a lot of people still doing that clients that you work with that are still using that as a sales tactic and and if they are what what direction do you try to steer them my clients better not be making cold calls. That's not what we're about, right? Damn it. If y'all listening, if I catch any of y'all, damn it, it's gonna be hell to pay. Literally. Uh well, so in like 2003, I started in the mortgage business. And by 2005, I was training other loan officers how to get leads. And what we did in 2005 is I would go grab the Sunday newspaper and I'd call every real estate ad that was in there. 
and uh, I would leave voicemails on some. And that was back when cell phones like didn't text really like 2005 people weren't really texting that much. So you could get a hold of almost everybody on the phone, especially if they had an ad going. And I would teach people how to pick up the newspaper, start the conversation and play what I call the, if I could, would you game? Right. So if I could bring you a buyer, would you be interested in selling it? That kind of shit, you know, and, uh, and start the conversation, asking them questions about the property and, and get the detail and then going for the close. Well, in 2008, when the first thing I did when I got out of prison was I opened a Facebook account and because I had been hearing about it on CNBC because they were talking about one of these days it's going to go public and it's so big. And I, you know, my friends had written me letters about it and I, I never saw it. It showed up on the scene while I was locked up. And so I, I started a Facebook account in hopes that my ex-wife that left me while I was in prison the second time would uh, see my post and watch me win. And so I started posting on Facebook, you know, hey, here I am, salesman of the month again, right? And things like that on there. <laughs> Pictures of like plaques. I look like Floyd Mayweather because I got so many damn salesman of the month plaques and shit like that and trophies and all this stuff. And, and you know, people started hitting me up. I was just doing it to brag at first, just like full disclosure. And, uh, but people started hitting me up and they're like, dude, you're really good at mortgages. I'm like, oh shit, how do they know? Oh, they're paying attention to me. And so then I start turning up the heat. And the next thing you know, I got people that would, that would hit me up on Facebook and they would want me to refinance their house or help them buy a house. I was started being friends with all these loan officers so that every time that they would say they're leaving the industry, I'd be the first person in their DM asking them for their, their list of contacts. You know what I mean? If I saw somebody's job change from mortgage to some other industry, dude, I'd be writing their direct message, trying to hit them up and work with them. And I realized by 2010 that you didn't have to make cold calls and stuff like that anymore. Uh, I work for this internet based company. And we generated a lot of ads. We used to, funny story, guys, we used to run ads during the Jerry Springer show because it's like cheap, you know, and we ran these really cheesy ads. It was like me on TV. And I'm like, we have arms. I used to be probably, I don't know, maybe about the same size I am now. But uh, I used to uh, used to like wear muscle shirts on this like commercial and go, <laughs> we have arms seven years, five years. It was ridiculous. <laughs> right. And we would run them. During the Jerry Springer show, right? So we got all these white trash trailer park Jerry Springer watching rednecks calling us. And they're like, oh, you're the fellow with the arms, huh? <laughs> and uh, at the time, I didn't have tattoos or any of that stuff. So I used to be like, you know, clean arms, stuff like that. And, and so I'm up there doing this thing. And and uh, it was absolutely ridiculous. But back to the story, it's like when, when I would start connecting with people through email, because we would have all these internet leads come in. I never talked to anybody. I was getting them to fill out mortgage applications online. I was getting them to e-fax me all their stuff. And I thought, man, the, we are totally not communicating face-to-face the way that we, we and t- today it's even worse. But like every time you want to say something to somebody, you send them a text message. It's rare that people call each other. It's rare that people really meet up because we have access to everybody right at our fingertips through our phone. We can them on Snapchat, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever. Uh, you can make YouTube videos like, There's so many different things that we have and really door knocking, cold calling, and even like old school face-to-face networking are really the least effective ways to do that. You could cold call 300 people today. It'd take you about a day to hit 300 cold calls and you could cold call 300 people and have a few conversations, or you can make a post on Facebook and reach 2000 of your friends. Sure. You know, I'd rather make posts on Facebook. I don't know about you guys. But that's that's what I do. And so like my Facebook page, just my personal profile has like 45,000 people, I think, because I have like 40,000 followers and then 5,000 is your your max limit. 
So if I make a post on there, obviously not all 45,000 people see it, but probably 4,500 do. And, and I couldn't make 4,500 phone calls in an hour, let alone in a 30 second post. And so it's just a, a more efficient way to get in front of people. And then let, let the, the post filter people out. The right people will show up on the comments and the DM and the wrong people won't say anything, you know? Right. It's just a better way of doing things in my opinion. Yeah. The platforms that are available now really kind of put that last nail in the, the coffin of, of cold calling. I mean, even though I, I'm guessing you probably still encounter the, the occasional uh, sales department that is buying lists and dialing for dollars, but uh, it's a lot less than it used to be. Uh, thankfully. Now, right, yeah, you know, go ahead. It's annoying though. When's the last time you picked up the phone for a stranger? First of all, then when's the last time you picked up the phone for a stranger and then actually bought shit from them? Ain't happening. No, don't. We don't have time to pick up the phone for a stranger. We can exactly. easily filter that out, and then the trust factor obviously isn't there. They're calling us out of the blue, and uh, you know, you're not going to buy, especially a high ticket item, off someone you don't know who just called you out of the blue. It's uh, pretty much unheard of these days. Yep, exactly. But yet some, a lot of salespeople think that's the way to go. And then, then what happens guys is at the end of the day, they're beat up, they're out of shape. They're, they're losing their hair hair because they've scratched their forehead so much and they're just worn out and just totally exhausted with life. And they hate the sales game because they spend all day talking to people that don't want to talk to them to have like one or two winning conversations. Whereas it would have just been easier to, Spend the whole day playing Tetris on your phone, waiting for one or two conversations to trickle <laughs> in your inbox or your Facebook messages. Sure. Absolutely. So, Ryan, you create a lot of content. Why do you place so much focus on content creation? And then how much time do you spend each day creating content? I have a good system, but first, I think the content is what separates me from everybody else is uh, my competitors, which are all big names at this point, uh, they don't write their own stuff. They don't do their, their, their own products and things like that. They outsource pretty much everything just from an exposure standpoint. Me, I like to use my content to demonstrate my expertise. You know, I use real-world examples of either myself or somebody that I've worked with, and Content, I think, separates me from everybody else. If one person has a funnel, but I've got 1,500 blog posts, which I do, that I've handwritten, and then I'm also syndicated in the Huffington Post, on Medium, on um, Forbes, Entrepreneur, Addicted to Success. I've been in Inc. Magazine, you know, all this stuff. I've got all this content out there. When somebody comes and they look for look me up, they can see like, oh, shoot, Stuman's an expert. Like I can see it in his videos. I can read it in his blog post. I can see the things that they quote him in Forbes all the time for like, he's a hundred percent expert. And so then when we get on the phone with this person, when they become a lead and they're either in my inbox or they're on the phone or they're on one of our webinars or whatever the case is, they're, they're in a buying mood, right? They don't need to find out if I can help them. It's how fast I can help them. And so I think content allows me to lead the way and not only stand out for my competitors because they're not the ones actually creating it, but it allows me to demonstrate firsthand that like, hey, I, I know what I'm talking about, man. So if you just come over here, we'll help you out with whatever that problem is. Nice. Sure. So do you do you put a focus? I mean, so a lot of content, I mean, 1,500 blog posts is, is quite a bit. And I know that you get uh, quite a bit of 
especially from salespeople, traffic to your website uh, for those interested in sales topics. But how, are you writing a blog post a day? Are you spending, you know, an hour a day on content creation? What would you, you know, you just said uh, before we started this that you just came from recording a video for, uh, uh, I think you have a video that comes out each Wednesday. Um, yep. so, so talk to us a little bit. I think you have a podcast as well. You have books and you, there's a ton of content going on here. So obviously, and you're writing this all yourself, unlike you know, some of the, the noted, uh, competitors, uh, who have ghost writers and such. So that's, that's a ton. And, and I, and I think that you do work in between all that, right? So, yeah, I'm the CEO of six companies and, uh, and they all do well. Well, five of them. One of them's a technology company. Damn it, those things are losers. Be careful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just being real with everybody here. Um, but so, uh, you know, with with I've got a lot going on. You know, I got three kids, a wife. Uh, I own, like I said, six different businesses. I've got about twenty five people that either answer uh, to me directly or an employee, and I've uh, got two other business partners in the other ventures, not in the the hardcore closer or breakthrough Academy venture, but in some real estate ventures. So I do, I, I have a ton going on, but the reason why I'm able to create the content is a, I've got a good team and everybody that works for me, we all have the same saying in a uh, same phrase, like motto, whatever you want to call it. And it's uh, stay in your own lane. My companies are all divided into three very specific uh, places and what everybody's job is. And they just stay in their own lane and it works out absolutely uh, perfect for us now. But what's enabled me to create all this content is I have a really good system. And so, and I, and you guys got to remember all these blog posts and podcasts. I've been podcasting since 2011. Uh, I believe in April of 2011, I did my first podcast and I've been uh, writing blog posts since 2013. I've been making YouTube videos since 2008. So it's, it's not like I'm some just dude that just came out of the woodwork and has all this content, man. I've just been putting in the work, whether somebody read it or not, or somebody watched it or not over the years. And Sunday night, I write a blog post, sometimes two if I'm in a good mood. But my system's real easy. Like during the week, I think of headlines and topics. And so I write a bunch of headlines and topics down. And then Sundays, I sit down about 6 p.m., and I look on the, uh, that through all the headlines that I've written down over the last few weeks, and I pick a few out that stand out to me. I might tweak the headline, but then I write. My typical blog post is 1,500 words, so I, am, I do write a lot more than, like, say, ink or whatever, but I like to explain to people in very simple terms so that they leave there and they get, they get what it was I wanted them to get. Um, and so I do that every Sunday. It might be one or two blog posts. Then Tuesdays, obviously, which is the day we're recording this, I shoot my podcast in the morning, and then uh, right after that, we do our whiteboard Wednesday video. So the way that my podcast works is there's a company that uh, that does everything for me. So they actually sponsor me and you know promote this and all the like syndicated everything. So all I do is I show up, they give me a topic, some bullet points, I knock that stuff out in about 30 minutes, and then they do everything. As you guys know, it's a pain in the ass to upload it to YouTube, SoundCloud, Lisbon, and all these other things. They do all that, and they turn it into a blog post on Hardcore Closer. Nice. All that's done for me. All I have to do is just show up and uh, kind of like this. I just voice over the podcast. You guys are going to do the work on this one. So it's kind of the same thing, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> and, and so then I shoot a 12-minute video we call Whiteboard Wednesday right after that on Tuesday morning. So at 9 a.m., we do the podcast. By about 10.30, uh, I am uh, finished shooting the video. 
And so the video is about 12 minutes and my video guy meets me soon. We, we just got an office. So soon we're moving to the office, but I turned that video in about 250 words into another blog post. And then I syndicated on YouTube, Facebook. Uh, and I have somebody who does all that for me, who uploads everything for me and shoots the videos. And then uh, every week I do a book review. I read a book a week. And so I write a book review and those are generally pretty easy blog posts to do. And I like to read, write reviews about famous people so that I can target their fan base on Facebook, Smart. right? Like I just wrote one about Arnold Schwarzenegger and I tar targeted uh, all the Arnold fans to, to grow my fan base. And then, uh, so we got the podcast turns to the blog post, the whiteboard Wednesday, the book review. And then if I'm feeling lucky, I might write another blog post during the week. Like if I got a good idea or I might write a blog post for one of the places that I'm syndicated at like Forbes or, or something like that. So while it seems like a lot of, con it is a lot of content. Uh, and until I had help, it was, a, it was hard keeping up with this, but at the same time, I have a really good system and really good support stuff to where I only really fellas, I only do the part that nobody else can do. Like only I can be in the video. Uh, only I can show up on the podcast because yeah. it's my voice. Only I can actually write this, everything else, the uploading, the syndicating, the keywords, all that other stuff, uh, is all outsourced. And that's what I've done. I've basically, push myself into a corner to where I'm in a place where only I, I'm the only person that can do these things. Sure. But I think the important thing is, is, is you have a system in place for creating this content. So it gets done. It, it, yeah. You know, Sunday nights, Tuesday mornings, uh, and you have some, some additional overflow there, but it, the system there, whether it's you doing 100% of it, or uh, you have a, a team that helps you with that, uh, the, the system there, it being on the calendar is, is what gets it there and gets it done. And it, I can appreciate the, the time you put in over the years of, uh, uh, the, that, that blog count accumulating to 1500 and that didn't happen overnight, obviously, but, uh, putting a couple of posts together a week is, is effort and creating that content does set you apart from your competitors and gets those people diving into your content when they see you. Uh, either on Facebook or in another article. So impressive system there that you just shared with us. I appreciate that. One question I have though, is with all that going on, how do you get so much shit done every day? Because I mean, do you wake up early? Do you stay up late? Are you, uh, I know that you have some people that are, that are on your team that help you out, but there's still an, if you have a wife, three kids, Justin and I are same scenario. We have a wife and three kids. So we know that uh, sometimes when you get home from, the office it's not uh uh you gotta you gotta flip that switch over to family mode so what's your day look like when how do you manage that to get uh, all this packed in there well i uh, a couple big factors number one i schedule everything so like nothing happens without being on my schedule including family time uh date night is on my schedule uh, time at the park with my kids, my kids soccer game, all that's on my schedule. My wife does all that. She puts wherever I need to go in there. And so does my assistant. So when somebody hits them up and says, Hey, I need Ryan to do this side or the other, they put it in my schedule. So all I got to do is wake up every day and see what needs to be knocked out. And I just knock the task out. Um, yes, I wake up at about five o'clock every day, which isn't too early and, uh, wake up about five o'clock and, and usually from five to six fifteen. It's like my quiet time. I answer emails. I think of my Facebook posts for the day and maybe even write a blog post on some days when I'm feeling really good and confident and, and maybe jot down some ideas to make videos later in the day or whatever the case. And so like, that's my creative time because nobody's interrupting me. But then 
at 6.30, I go to CrossFit for an hour, Monday through Friday, and then get back at 7.30, sit down, cool off, because I'm usually sweaty as hell, sit down and cool off uh, behind the computer, answer more emails and stuff at that last minute before people really get to work, you know, about 8.30 or 9. And so by the time that it's 8.30 or 9 and most people are showing up at work, because of the convenience of having a computer in my house and, and CrossFit being across the street, I've literally knocked out three hours worth of work and got to exercise in. Nice. And, and so that gives me ahead of the game, but I usually stop working around six o'clock, sometimes a little bit earlier, but I'm, I'm usually done with work by six o'clock, but I'm really disciplined in the sense of like, if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't get done. So, you know, and I'm on a time block. So when I get on the phone with somebody or if I got a task, like I'm staying on that time block. And if I don't stay within it, I got to put that thing again somewhere else in my calendar that it can fit in like that task. And so I just keep myself on, on wake up early. And so I work 12, 13 hours a day, but I'm done by six o'clock. So it seems like, you know, that's a long day, but really I'm done by 6 PM. So that gives me when my kids get in from school and everything else that gives us time to eat dinner together and usually watch a family movie uh, or something. I'm, I'm a member of the country club. I sound like a damn yuppie. I'm a member of the country club <laughs> up the street. So you know, take the kids up there and they go swimming. We got a golf cart. So I like ride around the neighborhood, with the kids in the golf cart in the evening time. So I, I do, I, I spend a lot of quality time with, with my family too, but uh, my schedule stays packed. And so on days where I'm playing, I'm playing uh, all in. And I think that's what makes me be able to get everything done is I know that on Thursday I have to do a book review. I know that on Tuesday, no matter what, I got to show up and record a podcast because there's people paying me to do it. I know that on Tuesday, no matter what, I got to show up and record these videos because Alex is getting paid to show up here and he's going to make sure that that happens. And so I put myself in these positions to where I have to do these things and then obviously the rest of the tasks as well. But again, I've outsourced everything that I that can't be done by me personally. So the things that I focus on these days are, are truly things that only Ryan Stuman can do. Smart move, man. Streamlining that out. So we talked uh, about uh, your most recently uh, released book, um, but you have a couple others out. One, one in particular, I noticed you had on your website uh, where you'd send it for free just for shipping and handling. And if uh, that's not the case, I can edit this out. But uh, you got the uh, Elevator to the Top book here on elevatortothetop.com. Talk to us a little bit about some of the other products and programs that you have and maybe who you help. Justin had the introduction that, you know, you work with alpha type business owners and, uh, you know, really having them break through to escalate their business from six to seven figures. And I think that perks everyone listening's ears up. What do you do? How can you help our listeners uh, take their business to the next level? Well, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of, kind of my thing. And, uh, yeah, you can get the book for free, uh, elevator to the top.com and really the best place for anybody that's wanting to see how I can help them or, or get involved with what we're doing over here is that's the starting point is elevator to the top, spend $7 and 95 cents to get that book. Uh, then we'll offer you a, I'm just walk you through the funnel. We'll offer you a $47 upsell, which you'd be crazy not to take because the people that are in that room of the video that we're offering, they all paid 200 bucks to be there. So you're getting basically 75% off of the same thing that people cl- that people paid for. And it's, it's a life changing class that you're about to, to learn. Like you may think, you know, social media, uh, but unless you have a quarter of a million people following you on Facebook, like I do, you probably don't know it as good as I do. And so there's a pretty good chance I could teach you some cool stuff about it. 
Um, and then from there, if you uh, take the offer, if you don't, uh, there's another offer that comes for our, what's called Break Free Academy Mastermind. It's the Entourage. And what that is, is $297 a month or $2,500 for a year. I always encourage everybody to spend the 2,500 because not only do you save a little bit of money overall, and you might as well go all in because a month's not going to change your life. Two months isn't going to change your life. A year, change, your life will change in a year. And we have a better than money back guarantee, but the program consists of a monthly newsletter and uh, online training weekly. We take somebody from the group every week and we break apart their funnel that's not working. We call it our marketing autopsy. Uh, we do what we call night school twice a month. We're teaching people new Facebook ads and new YouTube ad uh, funnels and things like that twice a month. Uh, we have a mastermind group. We meet up for breakfast a couple of times uh, a quarter. So, I mean, it's like a, it's a true like hands-on all-in training thing. And there's a lot of people back there that are doing, I've got a few guys that are doing a hundred million dollars or more a year in mortgages. I've got several real estate agents that are doing $50 million or more uh, a year in real estate. I've got a lot of small business owners that are doing seven figures a year. And we've got a lot of W2 people that are hitting high sixes and low seven uh, figures a year as well. So it's a great mastermind with really diverse, smart, sharp, like no BS alpha personality type. So if you fit that, that like avatar that I just described, this is probably the place for you. And uh, it starts by just going and, and getting that free book elevator to the top.com. Awesome. We'll include a link to that along with the link to Ryan's other websites and books in the show notes, as we always do. So are there any particular tools and you don't have to share or endorse anyone for free if you don't, but are there any particular tools or apps, uh, CRMs, things that uh, you use in your everyday, uh, workings that, that make your life easier. The, the, I can't live without this particular, uh, item, uh, that you, you could share with our audience. Yeah. You know, uh, like I said, I live and die by a calendar. And so I use something called schedule once and it's, it's like, uh, a calendar thing where you just send people a link. It's like some people use Calendly or whatever, uh, but basically you send people a, a special unique URL and they are tied directly into your Gmail calendar and they can pick whatever spots you have made available for people. And man, that saves me so much time using that. Just somebody who says, Hey man, we need to get on a call. And if they're worthy enough to get on a call, just shooting them that link. And you know, I usually stay booked out about two weeks. So if you were to sign up on my thing today, It'd be about two weeks before uh, I could get you, you'd, you'd find an open spot on there just because I'm so busy. You know, my days are, are jam-packed, like I explained earlier. And it really, that helps because it weeds a lot of people out that don't want to wait two weeks or that, that can't, or that, you know, a lot of people, especially in the opportunity world where they're like, man, I need to get, we need to close this deal now. It's like, I don't operate that way, you know? And, and so it, it really calms the, the enthusiast, I guess you should say the enthusiastic salesperson uh, down as well. But that thing saves me, I don't know how many hours a year, every year uh, in going back and forth. It's like, what are you doing Tuesday? No, Tuesday's busy. What are you doing Wednesday? Wednesday at three? No, Wednesday at 2.30. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> the damn link. Been there, man. Been there. <laughs> so what's new on the horizon? What are you working on now? What, what, do you, uh, what do you got coming up that you're really excited about? Well, you know, we're catching momentum in the, uh, the Break Free Academy group that I was just speaking of. Uh, we're almost to 500 members now, and we're uh, we're on track to hit our goal of a thousand people by the end of the year. So that's uh it's been really exciting. To tomorrow, uh, people from all over the world start flying here because we do our Break Free Academy live event, which is a 
two-day event where like day one, I teach everybody all this cool stuff. And then day two, they actually do all the cool stuff that they learned the day before so that, you know, they learn and implement and have the assets and stuff when they leave the program. And uh, it's our biggest one. Each one's our biggest one. I started out with three people, I think it was, at the very first one back in 2014. And uh, this one, we have 88 spots at $5,000 a piece nice. uh, to this nice. event for people coming uh, coming this week here. And they all start coming in tomorrow and Thursday and Friday. We're putting on the thing. So I'm pretty damn excited about that. Not, not just for the money. We've already we've already taken these folks' money, so we've got that. <laughs> but I'm excited to see the the change in their life because I know every time somebody graduates from one of these things, their life goes on to change because people say money doesn't solve problems. You're right. It buys problems off. <laughs> so they true, say money man. doesn't solve everything. You're right. But it pays everything off. It pays everything off. Whatever excuse you can use for money, I promise you, it'll uh, it'll fix whatever problems you got. Ex-wife mad, pay her enough money. She's not mad no more. Love right? It. <laughs> Boss mad, make him enough money. He's not, He's mad, not no mad no more. more. Government mad, quiet. make enough money, pay the government off. They're not mad no more either. Like money fixes everything. And that's what we do at the the break free academies, we help people make more money because it that truly does change their lives. So I know it's going to happen for these people, and, and that's exciting for me. You know, awesome stuff. Hey guys, I think that we're getting pretty close to time. Hey Ryan, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? Do they contact you through the website, Hardcore Closer, or how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, so you know, the best thing for everybody is the the hardcorecloser.com. It's a uh, hardcorecloser.com, the website over there. And uh, that blog's got, like I said, 1,500 blog posts. So Sweet. anything you want to know about uh, sales, Facebook ads, real estate, mortgages, marketing, uh, B2B, B2C, like whatever, right? Uh, it's it's all on that site. So just use the search bar. My social media icons and stuff are on there as well. So you can follow me on on social media. I, uh, I'm real active on Facebook and uh, I have a Hardcore Closer fan page and a personal page, cool. Brian Stuman. So real active on there. You can find all that stuff at hardcorecloser.com and you can get the offer for the book that I spoke about earlier and all that stuff at hardcorecloser.com too. So just make sure you put your name and email in somewhere on that site and you'll start getting shit from me that you like. <laughs> how do they get, uh, how do they reach out about Break Free Academy? Uh, you can go to uh, breakfreeacademy.com uh, and you can, or you can go to breakfreeacademy.com forward slash entourage. Both of them will basically get you the same place. Awesome. We'll, uh, make sure that we have all that in the show notes. Hey Ryan, if you had one piece of parting advice for our listening audience, what would that be? Uh, fuck your excuses, Love right? Like, get rid of them. They're not serving <laughs> you well. So. All right, guys, fuck your excuses from the man himself. That's it. Hey, Neon Noise Nation, I hope that you enjoyed our conversation today with Ryan. Be sure to go over and check out his website at www.hardcorecloser.com. Ryan, it's been awesome, man. Thanks a lot for being on the show today. As always, Yeah, thanks for having me on here, fellas. Yeah, man. Um, we'll have the show notes available at neongoldfish.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, this is Justin, Ken, and Ryan. Signing off, Neon Noise Nation. We will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Neon Noise Podcast. Did you enjoy the podcast? If so, please subscribe, share with a friend, or write a review. We want to cover the topics you want to hear. If you have an idea for a topic you'd like Justin and Ken to cover, connect with us on Twitter at Neon Goldfish or through our website at neongoldfish.com.